So we have now started to drop the Thanksgiving OG mixtape around town. Dropped the first one off at nice price on Hillsborough Street today. I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know. Should I go Cary? Morrisville? Durham? What do you think? Garner? You want to take a tape and take one to Garner? We can. Let's do it. Very excited about this. Let me know. So the, the, the OG mixtape, it's a physical tape, just like the grocery store bangers we did earlier this year. There's a dinner party, then there's an after party. <laughs> First side, you can play that around your family. No problem. Enjoy it. Second side, eh, you might just want to be hanging out in the garage with your, uh, with your you know, when the, when the fam- when you got the family friends coming into town to visit, go bump around town with that thing. But if you find an OG, an, a physical OG mixtape, Make sure you look inside because as a way to say thanks, we've got an Amazon gift card inside. Go use it for whatever you want. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. So let's rewind to September, shall we? App State has an incredible month. They have this epic fourth quarter, and they almost beat North Carolina in Boone. And then they follow it up with what could have been an easy letdown game against Troy, right? And then I'm sorry, no, they beat Texas. They, A&M they beat Texas A&M. My bad. I'm getting my 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 weeks confused. So they they backed it up. They go to Texas A&M and they beat A&M. They beat then, the then a top ten team. Then there's the Troy game with game day in town after they had beaten Correct. Texas A&M. That looked like a letdown game, but miraculously, they come back with a, just a wild Hail, Hail Mary, and they win the game. And I don't think we've talked about App State since. But during that time, there was a discussion about who was the best program in North Carolina. And App State fans were coming out of the woodwork. And I understood, man. Like, it was an incredible three weeks of football for App State. And our friend and colleague, Andrew Carter, doubled down. App State's the best program in the state. You know, they've won conference titles and everything else. And I thought to myself, eh, let's not get crazy here. Are we going to revisit that conversation now? Does the fact that they're 4-4 four and four so far this year kind of take away from that argument? Does it matter? I'm well, sorry, 5-5. We've, five five. we've had different discussions about this okay we've had a discussion about which team which season would you rather have Mm -hmm. and who's the best program in the state so which conversation are we having right now so which which conversation you want to start with you want to have the best program in the state conversation or the we could literally fill the rest of football season with the best program in the state thank you and the different arguments for each one it's a trick question because i could sit here and tell you there is no best program in the state they all have their flaws. And that's why they are the way that they are, just in case you don't know. Yes. So, Wake Forest fans will tell you, we're the best program in the state. Well, yeah. yeah, I, yeah maybe uh, sit this one out now. Guys. Maybe not now, right? Yeah. Carolina fans might, no, 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 look at us. Like We just won the Coastal Division. Yeah, but what about last year? Or, or, or what, you know, other instances where you've had letdown games against in-state opponents, right? You've lost to ECU you know, a bunch of times. I mean, you've been embarrassed. You've been, you've been the greatest night ever in Greenville a couple of times, right? Same thing with NC State. I mean, I don't think NC State's going to be out here claiming they're the best program in the state. They're, not they're, after last week. Not after last week. So it's a trick question because North Carolina has a lot. The state of North Carolina has a lot of things that are going against it. Too many football programs in the state to begin with. And then you also have other programs from outside the state that come in and take their best players. This, this is a tale as old as time. And I said this yesterday about North Carolina versus NC State. Don't get caught up in the trap 
of thinking that there's some sort of inflection point between the Tar Heels and the Wolfpack. I could actually balloon this out to every program in the state. Never get caught in the trap thinking it's some sort of inflection point that this is going to be the program that's going to have this run for the next 10 years. No. There's an ebb and a flow. There's a balance to this. You can use NC State and North Carolina as a prime example. Last year it was, oh man, Carolina with the recruits and Sam Howell and they got this opportunity and it didn't happen for them. And NC State ended up having the sneaky good year last year, including a win against well, North Carolina. Wake Forest had the actual best year. They had the year. best year, but you see what I'm saying, specifically yeah. the NC State and North Carolina. Sure. And then they had the role reversal this year, where NC State was positioned as, hey man, this is the breakthrough. This is what they've been building towards. They're bringing everybody back. They just had 30 guys honored on a senior day, and they lost to Boston College. And Carolina, you know, it's an unknown. You know, they got Drake May. What's going to look like? How's it played out? Well, NC State's having the disappointing season, and Carolina just won the damn Coastal. So to just just kind of put a cherry on top of my point about the best program in the state conversation is there is no best program in the state. Is a rotating group of teams that are going to have their moments in the sun, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, to your question, it's time to revisit whose season would you rather have? Would you rather have App State's year? where you were the kings of September, you got game day, you've got this thing with Texas A&M, you could have beaten Carolina, the what-ifs, got a hell of a September. Or would you now be North Carolina, who ended up winning the Coastal last week with a win over Wake Forest? Who would you rather be? You're still dumping the Gatorade a little bit early here. I don't think I am, but continue. Well, I mean, who does Carolina have left? Well, they, they got Georgia Tech and they got State. Okay. And a championship game against Clemson. I think if Carolina wins the ACC, mm-hmm. there's no doubt. I think winning there's the Coastal. No doubt. I think winning the Coastal and how Drake May has played all year. Oh, has Drake, made it, Drake May has been fantastic. It, it's it's made it so that Carolina, I think, would be happy with whatever happens the rest of the way. I do. I really do. I don't know. Well, how would you know? There's no Carolina fans that exist. Carolina football fans. Oh my gosh! See, it's a hobby. And if you don't believe me, by the way, go yeah. ask Mac Brown, or, or better yet, go figure out why Mac Brown left the first town the first time around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he might be a Tar Heel when he's dead, but he's not a Tar Heel born and bred. Oh, well, that so was also twenty five years ago. So, and a lot has changed. What has changed significantly since then? Well, I think there's been what? more. I think what? Been, I all think, of the ACC titles that they've won in the not, interim. It's not. It's not an ACC titles. Arg- it's not an argument about that. Right. That's that's a silly thing to go with. Not really. You're saying it's changed in the last 25 years. What has? To your point, mm-hmm. this area is the same every year. It's what like, it's like a Groundhog's Day episode. What I'm saying is between you, the programs, you got to remember that there are people coming through college who have been grown on college football. All right. College football is college football is the king. All right. And that's what people watch. Look at the ratings. So in I th- Chapel Hill. I'm saying there is a group of people that truly care about football and would like to see it succeed in football. There are people who ride I'm for not, football. I'm not everywhere. denying that people want to I'm saying what I'm saying about North Carolina football is when they're good, they're happy. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be? They're nine and one. Yeah, and when they're not they have good, a Heisman candidate. And when they're not when, they're, when last year went sideways. Mm-hmm. Don't make me go back and take screen grabs of, of the crowds eh, that's, from you, those games. You can see that at a lot of different places. You can see that at a lot of different places. Well, no, no. see, you've created the, you've created in your head this this myth that Carolina fans are like the only ones who leave their football. I mean, for heaven's sake, I've seen empty Carter-Finley Stadium I'm, spots, I'm not, man. Come I'm on. not blaming. North Carolina has I'm not, the I'm, thing, and they have every 
other thing. I'm what they I'm saying. They don't have is, to hang their hat on football. What I'm saying is, is this argument about empty seats is a is a not a great argument because I can point to many instances where people left. Hell, did we not just talk about the Virginia Tech North Carolina State game where people left because they were disgusted with what they saw? So don't give me this, oh, well, I can show you empty seats. Buddy, I can show you some empty seats. Do we need well, to go back to 2018 to, against Clemson in the first in the first quarter? They'd have to show up for the game to begin with, though, is they what do, I'm getting They at. do show up, though, man. They do show up. So I don't know, man. I, I think you've created this thing in your head about Carolina fans that I just don't agree with, and you're acting as though, oh, well, then people didn't show up. Man, I can point to many instances where people didn't show up to Carter-Finley Stadium. Many times. Or they leave. And the reason why they leave is because when I go back to the tailgate, you're not arguing that North Carolina fans are as engaged in football as NC State fans. You're not doing that right now, are you? Are you making a blanket statement? Yes. No, they're not as engaged. Okay. But you're acting as though they don't exist. It's a hobby. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm saying it's a hobby. And there's nothing wrong with a hobby. Okay. I like golf. I like to gamble. They're hobbies. They're not my life, but they're hobbies. I enjoy them. When and when I'm playing, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When I'm playing say, well, did you, did you say did you say gambling's not your life? When I, when they're when things are going well, I'm, love I'm, it. I'm sorry. Did when you, it's not, it's a hobby. I'm sorry. Did I did I say you said gambling's not your life? I did say that. Okay, I did. Got it. Got it. It's fun. In the last segment, you and I got in an argument about fans showing up or not showing up. And I think it's all beauty in the eye of the beholder, okay? You remember the times when the team you don't like doesn't show up for stuff. And in your mind, everybody shows up all the time. Jack Jack is listening, and he goes, hey, go on and give us the many instances where NCSU fans didn't show up. And I did give instances where I know when people left or there's been instances where people don't want to go in. It's like you verbatim said, this is Jack on Twitter, you verbatim said that you can give many instances that didn't show up, one second pause, or left early. That's that's fair. You gave VT as an example. Now give us the many times they never showed up. You just can't say whatever you want and just not back it up. It's a general statement. And I've been here for a really, really long time, and I've gone to a lot of games at Carter-Finley Stadium, just like Joe Giglio has. And I can give you, go back to lean years for the Wolfpack, where it's not a full freaking house the way you have it in your head. The way you have it in your head is that it's always been a packed house. Or you look at season ticket sales to date. Those are tickets that are sold. That doesn't necessarily mean you show up or show up from your tailgate. Because that's the one beauty about Carter-Finley Stadium that they're always going to have over a lot of other programs in the state. The tailgating culture is such that, yeah, man, you're going to be there. There's also an argument that they kind of have you by the cojones because of lifetime seating rights and the donations and everything else. In order to keep what you got, you don't want to give it up. But the point here is... Do not act as though it's this thing where it's always been this way. No, it has not. And in lean years, people have not shown up or they're late arriving or however you want to put it because they'd rather be in the tailgate. Just wanted to wrap that up. Now, speaking of college football, we got the college football playoff rankings revealed tonight. Speaking of the Wolfpack, after losing to Boston College, they were, what, 16th in the last rankings. They've been hovering around. There's been a respect level given to NC State. But I got to imagine, Julio, that tonight, after the loss to Boston College, I mean, do they do they hang around 24, 25? Or are they just out of the rankings completely? Yeah, I don't see that happening. Their best win is Florida State. 
Florida State will be in there, mm-hmm. but there's just nothing else on their resume to, to hang your hat on. North Carolina. I'll be curious to see if the committee actually bumps them now ahead of the two loss teams that they were behind last week. Because I would prefer that they showed some consistency on how they handle losses. Well, do they matter when just because you're unbeaten? Mm-hmm. You know, I think Michigan and North Carolina are fairly similar teams. Michigan's been dominant um, with their defense and their ground game. It's a different type of game, but they've played a fairly average to, to below average schedule. Carolina, I think their schedule is better than Michigan's. I think the mm-hmm. trips to Georgia State, I think the trips to App State, those are better games in my opinion. They've also played Notre Dame. Michigan hasn't played a team like that. I get that Carolina lost Notre Dame, but they played them. I think that's the whole thing about Michigan is they've played Penn State at home. That's what they've done. Yeah, oh, oh, Michigan's going to get opportunities, obviously, because of Ohio well, they State. They have one opportunity. They got the opportunity. Yeah. That's the problem that North Carolina might not have. It's actually the same issue that Southern Cal might have, too, because you, you bring up Michigan as a similarity to uh, to North Carolina. I, Southern Cal might actually be the similarity because they're both one-loss teams. But one is ranked eighth currently, and they're in in conferences that are not doing themselves any favors. And I think that North Carolina, should they run the table, isn't going to get help by Georgia Tech this week. And given that NC State seems to be on kind of kind of just puttering to the end here, they're not going to do them any favors either. And we also don't know the state of Clemson going into that championship game as well. Maybe they kind of bounce right back after uh, beating Louisville. We shall see. So the ACC is not doing Carolina any favors up until this point, strength of record aside. But I do think that beating Wake Forest, uh, who has hovered around the college football playoff top 25 since uh, they came out a few weeks ago, I do think that has to give Carolina an opportunity to move up, not in the side of the top 10, but just outside it with like a 13 or maybe even a 12. Yeah, but there wasn't that much movement in front of them. That's the problem. Oregon lost, UCLA lost, Ole Miss lost. So 15, yeah, I, I could see them getting up to 12, 11 or 12, but probably 12. It's the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. Joe, if I told you that Charlotte hired their new football coach and his name was Biff Pogi, or it's P-O-G-G-I, do you think that's a real name? I would ask if he could make the Kessel run in 12 parsecs. That's exactly what I thought, too. I thought that Disney revealed some sort of new show, and there's a character that everybody's hype about named Biff Pogi or Pogi. I don't know how you pronounce it yet. He's a real person. This is not a Star Wars timeline. This is actually Charlotte's new football coach. He's coming off of Michigan staff. So there you go. There's your news of the day. The Charlotte 49ers hired a deep-cut character from the Andor series, I think he was in. I think he was in the last episode of the Jailbreak. Could be wrong. I think I he was know. on Table Five. Was he Table Five? Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. I don't think he made it out though. I don't think he made it out. I don't think he could swim. <laughs> Spoilers. Spo- that that hurt me, man. I cut deep. That really cut deep. That, that scene. Really that scene in the last episode of Andor really cut deep, man. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline is is an old friend of ours. He used to cover college basketball here in the Triangle for the Fayetteville Observer. Now he's covering the Chicago Bears for the Chicago Tribune. It is Dan Wiederer. Dan, how are you, man? 
It's great to see you, Joe. It's great to talk to you. It's been ages since I covered college basketball down there, and that's scary for me because when I was uh, down there in September and, and, and John Shire was telling me that these players at Duke didn't remember anything about his playing career, I was like, man, how old does that make me, right? It, like, it, <laughs> Yeah, it makes us all old. Yes, because for you, it, it, trust me, it was, it was a surprise to see you at Cameron Indoor Stadium for John Shire's first season press conference back in September as they're getting ready for practice. I was like, dude, what are you doing here? And then the light bulb went on. Chicago guy, you know, Mr. Basketball, all that fun stuff, playing for a Chicago guy and Mike Krzyzewski. Of course the Chicago paper would want something about John Shire. So what, you know, what did you, what, what did you kind of gather in the time that you spent talking to John Shire and, and kind of revisiting his playing time, which you covered yeah. and where he is now? Joe, this was super cool for me because I have a unique perspective on this, given that I did cover the entirety of John's four-year playing career at Duke. Met him for the first time when he was being recruited, when he was just a, a, a star here in the Chicago suburbs at Glenbrook North High School. And so we go back, you know, 18, 19 years now, and to, to kind of know parts of his journey, but not all of it, I was able to fill in some of those gaps. And I, I think what, what resonates with me the most as it relates to the current day challenge that John's taking on is that the dude is wired with this admirable fearlessness mm -hmm. that the the stakes the pressure the scope the magnitude of everything that he's taking on not only doesn't intimidate him but it actually invigorates him and it's such a cool life skill to have that i wish i could just instantly like <laughs> take some of john's blood inject it into my kids and be like i hope i hope you guys go through life with this approach where challenge actually excites you and it doesn't throw you back ever. And, and I think that's been one of the coolest things in reconnecting with John is just seeing the approach he's taking into this, which as you know, down there, the, the pressure is huge, mm -hmm. the shadow is bigger, and the stakes are, are as big as they can get. And John's just ready for it. Dan Wiederer, Chicago Tribune, joining us here on the OG. Dan used to cover college basketball here in the Triangle. Now he's covering the Bears. Uh, and, you know, it's not just Duke. He has a book that you can still buy today. <laughs> Blue Streak, which covered the, what, the 09 National Championship for the that's Tar right. Heels. And that's followed up by the 2010 National Championship uh, for the Duke Blue Devils, which was a surprise for everybody in Indianapolis. It's not lost on me that he was an assistant when they won the National Championship in 2015, again, in Indianapolis. And here is, I think, for, for the most part, the actual debut for John Shire for the national TV audience in the Champions Classic tonight against Kansas, which is taking place where... Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a good spot for things Duke and maybe even John Shire. So when when you – and we've – Jillio and I have talked to him, but when you've talked to John about the challenge of replacing Mike Krzyzewski, the idea is who wants that? Who Like who really wants to follow it considering there's a long history of – disappointment of being the guy who follows the guy ucla has seen that there were struggles at unc right when dean smith retired and bill guthridge was gone in three years so what is his general attitude that you picked up on well like i i think what is really cool about john is he knows all of this and he's prepared himself right like even before there was any rumblings that coach k was going to be leaving or announcing a final season or whatnot john was preparing to go get a head coaching job somewhere Right. And even before he got the Duke job, he interviews at UNLV he interviews here back home in Chicago, which at the time for him was like a dream moment to interview at DePaul. Right. To Oh, I could go home and get my first head coaching job where I'm from. Right. Yeah, like that, yeah. that, that's invigorating. In, in retrospect, that's ridiculous. Right. Because <laughs> because of what he stumbles into a few months later with everything yeah. that happened at Duke. 
But I think John's preparation has been going on for decades, really in the coaching world now for the last nine years. And so when it became obvious that, that, you know, Duke was going to be the place that he was either going to be a candidate or, or selected, right? Like he, he, he's done the preparation. He looked into UCLA. He studied North Carolina. He went in the NFL world and, and tried to, to, to take some, some uh, research on Sean McVay to figure out how a guy that young could overcome some hurdles of inexperience and age to become a star in the coaching world quickly. Mm-hmm. And so there's this thirst for knowledge, this thirst for preparation. And then what everybody that knows John over the course of his basketball journey will tell you is the guy has just been born with an innate feel for the game right like just sees things feels things understands the way that hardwood surfs right and like how you got to move around that and create space and and do this and create you know so so there's that and then there's just the the understanding that that this dude is a team builder right like he understands what it looks like to build a team as a player as a star player in high school as a captain at Duke, and then now for the last nine years, trying to put the pieces together of all these different Duke teams to elevate them to the level that the program expects. And so now, you, you know, you jump into this and for as much that is there on his plate, you say he's prepared. He's prepared himself. Dan Weider joining us, Chicago Tribune, uh, here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. It's the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius. Uh, you can read that piece on John Shire, which, you know, again, it talks about <laughs> You can read that piece, which it's I think I think Pocket comes in at 44 minutes of an average read time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I appreciate the Pocket feature that tells me how long the read is. But to to kind of wrap the conversation on John Shire before we move to the Chicago Bears, who you cover, you started out in a way that I think people might have forgotten. I mean, mm-hmm. he wanted to play, yeah, and he has this catastrophic eye injury that keeps him from playing. And he was convinced that he was gonna be a member of the Miami Heat, right? He's, I, I'm, I'm gonna make it, as he, as he put it in your, uh, in your story. Yeah. Uh, but and and every time he's been met with this kind of difficulty, it's bounced back into something that's worked out for him. I think that's the innate ability for things to have worked out or be okay. And I got to imagine that that attitude presents itself now being the head coach at Duke. Yeah. Well, and also I was surprised, Joe, because when, when, when the first time I got together with John was this summer here in Northbrook, where he's from, and we got together at Starbucks just to catch up. Mm-hmm. And I said something to him about, hey, man, you've been living like this basketball fairy tale for 25 years. And he was quick to hit the pause button and say, well, hold up a minute. It, this hasn't been some linear fairy tale no. rise. Like every part of my journey has included some sort of setback that has challenged me to pick myself up and motivate myself to be even better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's in high school, it's losing in the state tournament as a freshman and then cutting out the newspaper clipping the next day with your picture face down in depression on the floor and saying, I'm never taking this picture down until I win a state title in high school and then making sure that you do. Right. And then in, in, in Duke, you remember that freshman season that, that was, you know, 11 losses, four in a row in the middle of the year, four more in a row to end the year, the Virginia Commonwealth loss where Eric Maynard hits the game winner in Buffalo over Shire. Well, now you've got to pick yourself up in the program. And, you know, in my story, there's a, a lengthy, uh, you know, dissertation on that run that that 2010 team went on after their last loss at College Park in March of that year. And so John had to pick himself up there. And then the most catastrophic thing in his life is that fluke eye injury, you know, just a few months after winning the national championship. And he has this, you know, optic nerve, uh, just severely damaged retina, torn eyelid, lacerated, everything that goes with it. And now all of a sudden your playing career is derailed and, and, Look, when John tells you he was going to make the Miami Heat, he, it comes from a place of both 
confidence and reality, right? Like this is the first year of the the LeBron Wade Bosch trio, and he oh, says he says, you know what that team needed? That team needed guys who could shoot who cost nothing, right? Yeah. Like so, he was going to be a minimum salary guy coming off the bench to hit down jumpers, and he he. Yep. To this day, is certain that if he didn't suffer that eye injury, he would have been on that roster and been part of that ride, right? And so that's pretty cool. Well, then you you suffer the eye injury and, and your time with the Heat is done and you try to make it in camp with the Clippers and you don't get it done there and you've got to go to Israel and Spain and you spend some time in the G League. And for a guy who wrote down in high school that his number one basketball goal was to play in the NBA, it hurt him deeply to never get there, right? And to have everything that he worked for basically interrupted by that injury and force him to reinvent himself. And he reinvents himself at age 25 as a, a college basketball coach back home, not here in Evanston with Chris Collins in his first job at Northwestern, uh -huh. back at Duke where Coach K said, you'd be an idiot not to come back to Duke, right? And John said, okay, Coach, I, I will never disagree with you. And so John goes back to Duke and starts an apprenticeship there. One of the, I, I thought one of the, 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 the better quotes from Lance Thomas was that when you take somebody who is like John, who is a student of the game and is so uh, vastly immersed in, in studying basketball and you put him next to the best teacher that there's ever been in the game, of course, this is the result, right? Like, of course, the guy's going to push himself to new heights. He's going to have guidance that no one else has. And here we are, John Shire, head basketball coach at Duke, taking the Blue Devils to Indianapolis to play Kansas. Dan Whittier, Chicago Tribune, uh, used to cover college basketball here in the Triangle. Now he's covering the Chicago Bears and which do you feel like you've got a nice little break not talking about Justin Fields and or, or maybe dealing with people uh, who are are not happy with your pessimism or realistic takes on the Bears despite the fact that Justin Fields has replaced Patrick Mahomes on my fantasy team just saying. look and, and you're probably going to win your league because of that I mean what we've witnessed over the last month here in Chicago is something that we've never witnessed here in Chicago a quarterback that is a fireworks show and not just once every month it's once every quarter Joe. And so that like, this is a, a guy who's just making highlight reel electric plays on an every, every week basis now. And the bears are scoring 30 points a game, which they couldn't score North of 21 for three years, the last three years under Matt Nagy, uh, which led to, you know, Mitch Trubisky, just to bring up a, a North Carolina name, getting mm -hmm. shown the door and then Andy Dalton not working out. And then all these other things, Nick Foles, all this, this carousel. Well, now people here say, Oh my God, the quarterback carousel may stop spinning. Right. Like we may have a guy that can stay here for six, seven, eight, nine, ten years as a starter and be an absolute playmaker. So it's it's really cool to be part of it. I still try to warn people, much to their chagrin, that this franchise is fifteen hundred miles from actually winning a meaningful championship. And that should be your ultimate goal. It shouldn't just be, you know, checking the box. And so having a franchise quarterback prerequisite for success not a guarantee people don't want to hear that right now and maybe i need to mute that for a little bit <laughs> yeah probably probably the best case dan weeder check out that uh, that feature in the chicago tribune it's excellent highly recommend it we appreciate you dropping by and uh, i'm glad that we got your coach k impersonation just a smidge of it yeah, the smidge is all i can smidge. give you so yeah it was good it was good it was good connecting with coach again too so that was fun for me as well Dan Weederer, big, big thanks. Uh, good to catch up with him again. Uh, covered a bunch of basketball here back in the day, and it's just a reminder we're all old. Uh, but, yeah, you know, guy covered Sean, John Shire. Like, we've all covered John Shire and been a part of all that stuff, including his recruitment. So all this is coming to fruition for John Shire. And the reason why we bring it up today is because the Champions Classic, Julia, was like Duke's Super Bowl. This, this is it. This is it for the Blue Devils. Recruiting the Classic.
They love it. Although that was Mike, though. We'll see. It could be changing. We know that John Calipari is still about the recruiting and that early season stuff. Calipari might be back in his on his deal. Got that top recruit yesterday. Everybody's excited about Milt that. Wagner's grandson. So sobering. Speaking of feeling old. So sobering. 